This is WTOP reporter Nick Ainelli, and today we're joined by Steve Miller, the Chief Technology Officer for the Digital Decision, which is basically the primary technical consultants for Verizon. So, Steve, let's talk about what you do. What is the Digital Decision? So, the Digital Decision does um, a couple important things. One of the ones, one of the things that they do are they are the primary advocates for uh, interoperability, uh, in particular cross carrier interoperability across uh, voice, data, and video uh, across all public safety and national security. And um, so that's one of the things we promote, but we also provide consulting services to Verizon in their direction, really being the voice of the customer uh, for Verizon to ensure that we're meeting uh, the mission critical needs of public safety and national security. Could you explain why Verizon uh, needs a public safety part of its organization. Can you explain the importance of that? Well, absolutely. Um, Verizon, since they were born, has been supporting first responders, right? And when you think about how the services that public safety needs over, you know, consumers and enterprise customer, non-public safety, um, they need priority access. They need first in line. Uh, think about TSA pre on the airlines, right? Um, they need to be first in line to the cell site, uh, to the network. They need to have preemption capabilities in the unlikely event that a network cell site would be totally saturated or congested uh, because of a critical incident. And you have massive amounts of people that are trying to pick up their phone, make a call, send pictures, et cetera, that can, can overload the network and the network can become congested. And that happens on all networks. No network is immune from um, having capacity concerns. Think about Mandalay Bay and the active shooter, right? Where everybody picked up their phone and started calling and the network got saturated and congested. Well, first responders can't afford not to have connectivity at any time. So Verizon has implemented those features years ago uh, to provide that rapid access and priority access to the network to give them priority and capacity all the way through the network uh, to the edge of the network, from your smartphone to the edge of the network. But it all comes down to really priority services, but also um, things like deployables. Deployables are, are important, and they're basically portable assets that Verizon can deploy uh, rapidly in the event that the network um, may fail um, because of a hurricane, because of a tornado because of the wildfires, you name it, where uh, massive catastrophic events can happen and do happen all the time throughout America, uh, where networks are damaged and um, temporarily disabled. Uh, two of the major uh, vulnerabilities in any network out there today is the loss of commercial power or the loss of the backhaul circuits the landline circuits or fiber circuits that connect those valuable assets, those cell sites uh, to the core network. And if those go away, you need alternative hot failover to satellite resources or other portable deployables, if you will. How would you say technology in general has changed what you do and uh, what Verizon does in the past uh, decade or so? I mean, technology has changed so much of our lives. And I'm sure you have to deal with different kinds of challenges in terms of uh, cybersecurity threats and just everything that comes along 
with the connectivity that we all have now. I'm sure that your job has changed in so many ways. When you think about the, the tools that law enforcement leverages to do their job, um, uh, you think about the tools that uh, fire personnel leverage out there today, the tools that EMS, Emergency Management Services, uh, use, um, as well as, um, you know, the whole um, emergency management uh, area of preparation. Um, there's a plethora of tools that have changed, but at the center of all of this is communications, right? Uh, game changers in, in our lives as, as, as civilians, but also for law enforcement, police, fire, and EMS in how we um, respond to emergencies. Uh, this technology has allowed us to reduce the response time to these critical incidents, but more importantly, things like video surveillance uh, and the real-time location-based services that we have available to know where people are, to know where devices are, to know where people are. And then we have the video real-time uh, that gives us that situational awareness of what's going on at the scene of the critical incident. And we can view that not only back at the Communications Center for Public Safety, at a 911 center, at a PSAP, at an emergency communication center, um, or we can share that video to the responding officers so they are not going into a situation you know with a blindfold they have um, the visibility into what's going on real time um, that changes the game and how they respond how it enhances not only the public safety but the officer's safety in responding the to these kinds of incidents so um, and then when you talk about that the networks have become more reliable the devices have been more powerful um, you know our, our smartphones today and and it it's maybe trite to say because we hear it all the time but our smartphones are just incredibly powerful and quite Quite honestly, more expensive than than the laptop computers that we were buying, you know, even five years ago. So the, the technology from from computers um, to the network uh, to the devices that we use. And uh, I want to speak a little bit more about location-based services. So that is so powerful. I mean, for over a decade, when you make a 911 call for service, right, uh, we've always had Annie and Allie, automatic number identification, meaning that when you call a 911 center on a 911 call, they see the number that you're calling from. Uh, additionally, we have Allie, automatic location identification, that you see the location that the caller's calling from. And that information has become more accurate. It has become more dynamic and more widely available um, to that ultimate results in a faster response time and saving lives. Um, but and on top of all these features and these technologies that we're talking about, voice, data, and video, um, you have security, you have increased security concerns, and we're all acutely aware of the cyber threat that we have out there today. And Verizon, which I'm very proud of, you know, is the author of the annual data breach investigative report, um, as well as the uh, mobile security index report, uh, which is all cyber uh, security related information regarding mobility and wireless devices on smart smartphones and tablets and laptops and IoT devices, right? So you have the security concern over all of that. Um, and um, it, it's very highly complex. And yet um, it has been an incredible convenience 
for us that have been fortunate to live through this, uh, but it's even going to get better um, as we come up with new ways, um, smarter ways to provide smart communities and smart cities and smart cars and uh, you name it, um, that we have more data available to us that's more accurate and more timely. And that ultimately results in better decisions being made um, when they need to be made in an emergency crisis situation. How would you say public safety agencies can boost communication security themselves? Well, it starts with education, right? And um, so public safety agencies to bur bur burst, um, you know, their security um, is they need to conduct an audit. And if they don't have the resources internally, they need to get them externally. And there are folks out there that can actually perform that. Verizon is one of them that can do an audit of an agency's security compliance. Um, and there are products available to help mitigate those areas of, of security concerns and vulnerability, but they need to educate themselves. And um, it's not something that you can ignore anymore. Um, it's something that everybody needs to have a comprehensive policy and, um, and governance, um, which articulates uh, how they're gonna respond to any breach uh, of their data. And, and ultimately, what are the things that you're doing to mitigate those? Um, you know, the FBI in, in, in the law enforcement realm, the FBI uh, has um, a very stringent uh, security policy that all the states uh, have to comply with if you're going to transmit criminal justice information. Right. Uh, it is protected information. And because it has conviction and non-conviction data in that, uh, that intelligence law enforcement information and those policies require the states and the agencies underneath them um, to to basically um, implement uh, certain requirements, such as end to end encryption of the data, uh, regardless of the device you have, whether it's a smartphone or it's a tablet or a laptop uh, or a desktop, you must have that data encrypted end to end to transmit that criminal justice uh, sensitive information. The other thing is multi factor authentication. And, and um, so everybody should be leveraging that. And that means you're gonna have, uh, require something other than a name and password, right? A, other than a username and password uh, to authenticate. And while a lot of people view that as, um, you know, an inconvenience, uh, it has become a necessity, um, not only for law enforcement and protecting their data, but for everybody accessing IP networks out there today. Okay, Stephen, my last question for you relates to the future. When you look at the coming years, when you think about where technology might take you, is there anything that you uh, anticipate or you hope for uh, when you think about uh, new tools or new kinds of technology that might be able to help uh, you do your job better and help Verizon protect itself better and, and do its job better? Because I come from law enforcement, the identity of people is always um, at top of mind and how we identify people, how we protect their identity. Um, but one of the things that I think is a game changer for law enforcement is leveraging biometrics. And, um, you know, the FBI has their center of excellence of biometric excellence located in Clarksburg, West Virginia. I've worked very closely with them. And uh, one of the exciting thing is, is the mobility 
of, of biometrics, right? So we've been taking fingerprints of people um, for, uh, you know, a long, long time. And it's, it's, it's an incredibly accurate methodology for identifying people. Um, but mobile biometrics, the ability to capture fingerprints uh, or a palm print or a single digit, a uh, single fingerprint um, out uh, in the public um, where people, where a lot of times criminals, as you might guess, uh, don't disclose their name or don't give you the correct name. Or maybe you can't uh, even um, communicate with them because they speak a foreign language, right? And so who is this person? And you've seen uh, some of the, um, the names that we encounter out there. They're very complex. And the thing about it is that with mobile biometrics in the field, you can get real-time uh, identification through what's called APHIS, Automatic Fingerprint Identification System. Almost every state has their own, which is connected to the federal, the FBI's uh, APHIS system. And um, so you can get that immediate on the scene um, at a traffic stop to confirm the identity of people. So that's a big one, mobile biometrics, everything from fingerprints um, to uh, iris scanning of your eyes um, to DNA. Um, we can now uh, within two hours get a an identification, a portable identification by DNA swabbing within two hours. These are all things that are widely um, available today uh, because of the great work of the FBI and what they've done uh, with that technology through their center of excellence. The other thing I would talk about is in communications. In communications, yes, the networks are going to continue to get faster. They're going to continue to have lower latency and the coverage is going to continue to get better. But when we have these storms, these catastrophes where networks are disabled, um, you know, with a Hurricane Cat 5 coming through an area, uh, it can destroy every cell site in its path. And we need to have the ability for real-time backup, hot failover communications. And one thing that's really promising is satellite. And uh, you may or may not be familiar with LEO, and that's the low-orbiting um, satellite um, availability that has just recently come available. And with satellite backhaul, we now can back up our cellular networks with that low orbiting satellite technology that's out there today um, to give us hot failover from the landline terrestrial network into the satellite world. Um, you know, a lot of people, I remember a decade ago, people thinking that cellular was using, already using GPS uh, satellites for communications, and we were not. It has been a terrestrial network with cell sites and, and backhaul fiber circuits uh, back to switching centers and to core networks. Um, so that's an exciting thing. I think that's going to make our networks even more resilient and more reliable out there today. So I think, and in the cyber world, uh, we're, it's always going to be a work in progress, how we educate people to protect themselves um, from these cyber threats, but also the detection uh, mechanisms that we're putting in place um, to rapidly detect and anticipate and to communicate these threats uh, through our um, internal networks among law enforcement uh, to be able to mitigate those before they happen. Uh, there's some exciting things happening in the cyber world to make that happen.